So, um, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Mr. Yuli Jemide. It's a pleasure to have you on board at this webinar with the MBA Young Lawyers Forum. Uh, this is one of the modest efforts we are making in trying to help young lawyers across Nigeria build capacity for greater efficiency and effectiveness in legal practice. Uh, we expect that the effect of these conversations that we are having with notable stakeholders and on this particular day with your good self will result in enhanced delivery uh, by young lawyers in the course of performing their duties in their law firms and also in becoming better practitioners themselves. Uh, for the focus of this webinar, as the topic indicates, uh, we are hoping to be able to help young lawyers pick up the necessary hints, tips, uh, suggestions, guidelines, and helpful indications on the direction to go uh, when it comes to succeeding or achieving success in legal practice. Uh, we note that you have attained uh, great success in the profession and it, it is without a doubt that you are in proper position, you are in good position to speak to us in, in this regard on what to do and uh, what steps to take in achieving success in, in, in the legal profession. Uh, for those who are joining us, uh, I want to think that many of them Virtually everyone would be familiar with uh, who you are, but for the benefit of uh, those who in the unlikely event are unfamiliar with who Mr. Ayuli Jemide is, um, I'm going to just briefly uh, touch on his um, profile. Um, Mr. Ayuli Jemide is the lead partner at Detail Solicitors, Detail Commercial Solicitors, uh, which is um, reputed to be the first uh, law firm in Nigeria to focus solely on, um, um, on soliciting. Um, Mr. Ali Jamide is, highly respect, is a highly respected corporate and commercial lawyer, and he brings an unmatched um, pie to key aspects of his firm's practice. Um, he's rated by the IFLR 1000 as one lawyer whose expertise is remarkable, and many of his clients, um, as they have noted on uh, to the Chambers Global Guide uh, indicate that he's a vibrant and creative mind as well as an excellent negotiator. Um, he's led very notable transactions um, across Nigeria and over time, including the Biloxi Industries um, transaction, which involved 80 million US dollars equity raise, um, the Lagos State Blue Line Railway project, the LPDC 30 billion era TIS um, and among other transactions is a notable public speaker and if you follow very important uh, uh, um, dailies such as Business Day and other notable platforms you will come across this very insightful take on different issues including legal and political issues. Um, he's presently the vice chairman of the MBA section on business law and um, it's, it is also uh, important to note that he's someone who has contributed to the growth of many uh, companies uh, by contributing to the corporate governance structure. Uh, he sits on the board of, is um, the board chair of the Ebola Containment Trust Fund. Um, he sits on the board of FCN Africa. 
Uh, he's the past president of the Nigerian Swiss Chamber of Commerce, um, a past non-executive director of the Central Bank of Nigeria. So uh, you can imagine that he's going to perhaps uh, forgo the fees that would have paid him for <laughs> speaking to us today. <laughs> so he's also a past board member of the West African Glass Industry PLC. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Yuli Jemide. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Rumi, for that uh, very nice introduction. And uh, thank you, uh, Montessor, for following me up over the last couple of days. You're a wonderful chaperone and a great gentleman. Um, so I thank uh, the MBA YLF for inviting me uh, to give this talk. Uh, I'll spend the next few minutes uh, just sharing nuggets on, on, on this subject matter, what you need to succeed in the legal market. Um, I don't have slides, and that's on purpose, because um, I want people to listen. I want you to strain your ears a little bit. I, I, I find that people gain more when you have to really strain and follow than when you're looking at colorful slides. Uh, so, so you, you know, I don't, I don't have slides. I want you to listen. And that brings me to nugget number one. And I'm going to number the nuggets so that you can take notes and you can remember them. So nugget number one is that one of the most important keys to success is listening. The average Nigerian listen very well, unfortunately. You know, you, you get into conversations, you get down to it, you find out that they're both saying the same thing, but they were not listening to each other. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not better with lawyers. You know, lawyers we like to debate, argue, postulate, and even when there's nobody there, we, we don't mind soliloquizing. We just love to monopolize conversations. And I want to tell you categorically that um, it's, it's much better to be sound than to be loud. Those who speak sparingly at meetings and listen more, they tend to gather a larger audience. That is a Chinese proverb that says, you know, we have uh, two ears and one mouth, and, you know, we should use them in proportion, which means we should listen, uh, we should listen twice as much as we speak. And when we talk about listening, uh, most people just think it's listening with your ears. I think to be a good lawyer, you need to listen with your ears, with your heart, with your mind. You need to listen by watching body language. But the most important thing you need to listen out for when you sit down in meetings or in a courtroom or you know, wherever, is to listen out for what people are not saying. That's the most important thing. So you have to train yourself, if you're a courtroom lawyer, to sit in a courtroom and watch the judge when your opponent is addressing the judge. Sometimes a twitch of the eye or a slight frown 
we'll let you know if the judge is enamored by what he's saying or the judge is not impressed. And you know, that little signal can make a difference between whether you win or lose a case. And and you know, this is so easy in a place like Nigeria because Nigerians are very expressive people, you know. Uh, you know, we are people who you can many times read what we are thinking by looking at us and watching our body language. Even if you are a commercial lawyer and you are involved in negotiations, you need to learn to watch facial expressions. Sometimes, you know, I've been in meetings and you find out that the spokesperson on the other side is saying something and when he says a particular thing, someone at that point in time begins to yawn or scratches his head. They just do it without thinking, but you know, it, it tells you that this person is probably just telling a lie and the, the, the colleague sitting you know, next to him is just thinking, God, you, 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 didn't, you didn't really say that, did you, right? And so sometimes you pick, you pick those things up. Have you noticed that sometimes when you go for meetings and you say something before somebody responds to you, they start yawning. They've not been yawning all day. And suddenly they're yawning. And you know they're about to tell you something that isn't true. Because, I mean, they're not tired. They're just, you know, wondering how to, how to coin that lie. Right? So those are things that are very important to be a successful lawyer, these little things. Um, I'll tell you a story. You know, once I was negotiating a transaction, and on the other side were two Italian men, father and son. The father was the chairman, the son was the CEO. Uh, and the son was driving such a hard bargain, and at some point, you know, it was obvious he was being unreasonable. And I started trying to catch the father's eyes, you know, to, to find out what do you think about what your son is saying? And each time I tried to catch his eyes, he would, you know, he would avert his gaze. He was really dodging, you know, that eye contact. And at some point he folded his arms. And at that point I knew that he just wasn't impressed with what the son was saying. So I said to them, I said, you know, I, I think you're being unreasonable, but you know, this is the right time for us to take a short break. Let me take a walk for a bit. And I was doing that because I knew that the father wanted to tell the son certain things and it was good to excuse them, leave them you know, to talk. And uh, as it happened, by the time I got back into the room, his attitude had changed and you know, we were able to close the transaction. So I think people should learn to listen. That's, that's nugget number one. Nugget number two is you must have your own definition of success. You know, we're all talking about success, you know, and, you know, sometimes people like to define success by what the other man has achieved or, you know, what they see the next door neighbor doing. I think people should have their own definition of success. You know, it, it, it always depends, you know, on, you should always ask yourself, you know, what do I need to achieve in this endeavor? for me to say that I'm successful. And then you should set your eyes on those targets. For example, 
if you are a human rights lawyer, you may not set your eyes on making a lot of money. Wealth may not be your target. Your success will be the network that you build and your value to society. Nelson Mandela, for example, was, was a lawyer, and you know, before he got imprisoned, he devoted most of his practice to fighting the apartheid regime. I don't think he died rich. He didn't die poor anyway, but I mean, his, his name didn't hit the Forbes uh, list. But that's one man that will never be forgotten. And then there are people who are institution builders, right? And, you know, there are people who say, well, you know, I want to build an institution that will, you know, outlive me. Uh, and, you know, that's their target. That's their own definition of success. Uh, while you may have a solo practitioner who says, you know what, I just want to make enough money and retire. Once I retire, I can shut down this practice. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to continue. As long as it has served the purpose till I'm age 60 or 65 when, you know, I'm, I'm ready to retire. No, no. If, if, if the institution builder builds an institution, he'll be successful. If the solo practitioner you know, is able to achieve his goal of, you know, amassing wealth, you know, and retiring at 60, 65, he too will be successful, right? You know, that said, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a major myth when people think that, um, you know, the largest law firms have the richest partners. You know, it's, a lot of times it's not true. You know, there are some uh, solo practitioners who, you know, make, pots and pots of money, and they don't have to put much money into the business. They're not growing people. They're not training anybody. Uh, and, um, you know, so, so there are different uh, definitions of success. Now, some people would say, well, I want to have the, I want to have the largest uh, number of lawyers in Nigeria. It's your goal. You know, if you achieve it, you know, then, then you're successful. Other people are pursuing number of offices. I want to have 12 offices within Nigeria. Uh, if it's your goal, you achieve it, you are successful. I mean, there's a firm that, that, that is called Wachtell in, in the U.S. Wachtell is spelled, I think, W-A-C-H-T-E-L. Um, and then this firm, you know, is not a large law firm by U.S. standards. I think they typically have about 250 to 300 lawyers, which is, you know, mid-sized by U.S. standards. You know, large is 1,000 and above, right? But at any point in time, the Wattel partners with one office out of New York always top the chart in terms of, you know, the highest income earners. And their associates are the, one of the best paid, probably in the top three in the U.S., right? And, you know, they've... You can't say they're not successful because they're not, they don't have a thousand lawyers. They're successful. They've set their own targets and, uh, you know, they've gone for it. Uh, just to bring this home, you know, um, when Digital was founded, I was clear about my definition of success. And it was three things. It was to build a business model that challenged the norms. And the norm at that time, 2004, 2005, was if you, if you were not a full-service law firm, then you were not in practice. You had to have a full-service law firm where if there was litigation, you could go to court and then you could come back in the afternoon and, and, and handle clients, both 
on both sides, either litigation or commercial work, right? So, so that was that was one of my goals. The second thing was building people. You know, I I I just felt that you know we should have a firm that anybody that comes through, uh, even if they stay for one year or two years, you know, they should end up living as better professionals. Uh, and you know their 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 values uh, should be affected by the way we do business. And I think the third thing was revenues. You know, I like to make money. I like to earn a fair wage. And I see legal practice as an enterprise, like a bank or any other business. I'm profit dri- driven, and you know, there's nothing wrong with being profit driven. I, I think that law firms should be profit driven. You know, um, so. Those were our goals, and you know, uh, by and large, we've tried to to achieve them, and um, you know, we we have achieved uh, a handful of them. Now, just to tell a story uh, to, to to drive this home, there was an American tourist who went on vacation to, to one of these islands, and every morning he will come out, he will um, put his his chair beside the lake, and he would read his newspapers and just lounge. He was on vacation. But he noticed for three consecutive days that there was a fisherman who would come, put his hook in the river. As soon as he catches one fish, he will wrap up his hook and go home. By the third day, the tourist who was a consummate businessman, he couldn't take it. So he called the fisherman and said, what's wrong with you? And the fisherman said, you know, what have I done wrong? And he says, you know, why don't you stay longer and catch a few more fish? And the fisherman asked him, and after that, what? And he says, you know, after that, you'll be able to save enough money and buy a canoe so you go out and catch even bigger fish. You make more money. And the man said, after that, what? He says, after that, you'll be able to save some money, put it in the bank, take a loan from the bank, buy a big fishing trawler, and then you will go out there, you'll be a big fishing magnet. You know, you'll be really rich, stinkingly rich. And the fisherman says, and after that, what? And the man said to him, after that, you can retire and take it easy. And the fisherman said to him, but that's what I'm doing now, taking it easy. Why do I have to go all that journey to come back and take it easy? So the fisherman's definition of success was, you know, as long as I can catch one fish a day and feed my family, I'm successful. So there are different definitions of success. Nugget number three. Always set targets and write them down. Always set targets and write them down. And when people talk about targets, if you go to consultants and you know uh, all the life coaches, they've come up with this thing they call smart targets. Smart, S-M-A-R-T, which means S stands for specific. Your targets need to be specific. You know, M stands for measurable. Your targets need to be measurable. A stands for attainable. Your targets need to be attainable. R for relevant. Your targets need to be relevant, and then. The is for time-based, you need to set a time within which you want to achieve these targets. Now, interestingly, I agree with all of them 
except the A that says your target must be attainable. I'm of the view that that should be a U. Your target should be unattainable. It should seem unattainable. You should set a target that scares you a bit. Why do I say so? I'm a firm believer that life is like an elastic band. You never know until you stretch it. So if you don't set targets that stretch you, it will be difficult to achieve your full potential. In January 2005, when we started detail, we wrote down our goals. And one of the goals was to be top 10 corporate commercial law firms in 10 years. And I think God has helped us and we've gotten there. But in 2005, it, 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 it seemed unattainable because at that time, you know, we were competing, I was competing with people who went to the best schools, had masters and all the degrees from the best schools I've read, you know, and at that time I just had my LLB from the University of Benin. I was competing with people who had first class degrees and, you know, my grades were really nothing to write home about. I was competing with people who, um, who had great family names, at least in Lagos. You know, I grew up in Worry. Uh, my, my, my family name may ring a bell in Worry, but it surely didn't ring a bell in Lagos. And I didn't work in a top law firm. You would say, okay, fine, I worked in a top law firm, and then I left there. I went to start out of my own. And at that time, you know, it was obvious that a few firms had cornered the market for commercial uh, work, and so it seemed. And, you know, one day I was sitting in the office, and I was talking about, you know, where detail will be in so many years' time. And one young lady who um, used to work with us at that point in time, she said to me, she says, you know, Mr. Jimmy, you just keep saying all these things as if all the other law firms are asleep. And it was a genuine question. I mean, she, she asked that question from the bottom of her heart because the facts on the table, uh, you know, didn't seem encouraging. But one thing she didn't know was my strong belief that life is an elastic band. You never know until you stretch it. And she didn't know at that point in time that I was setting all these targets and you know, I, I was going to just go for it and see how far it will stretch. So I generally think that if you, if, if, if you set targets that are attainable, then in my view, they're not targets. I think this afternoon, you, know, you should ask yourself, what target have you set for yourself? Or what target have you set for your firm? You know, how, how far are you willing to stretch yourself. And this brings us to nugget number four. Nugget number four is very important. And it goes, the first thing you sell is you. The first thing you sell 
is you. Think about that. Most people think, yes, we're selling legal services. Yes, you are selling legal services. You're selling, you know, legal products, yes. But in professional services, the first thing you sell is you. So I often tell people or I ask people, who are you? What is distinct about you? And I think at the end of this webinar, you should go home and write down three things that are positively distinct about you. And those are the three things that you want to hone and you want to begin to put forward. When I did this process many years ago, I, I, I came to the conclusion, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, really, I think you can speak, you can write, and you can solve problems. So I try to push myself all these years in those three directions, keep honing those skills. Now I'll say a few things about skills that are useful and need to be honed. One of them is efficiency. So some people may not be that intellectual, right? You may be of average intelligence, but you may be extremely efficient. And such people, in the past when I've worked with such people, I've said to them, you know what, you should try and be um, a good company secretary or corporate advisor. You know, it will help you. So a lot of people are good at being retentive. They can remember things, but you know, they can't analyze. But if you give them a file, they'll remember everything in the file. And I remember one gentleman I worked with some time ago, um, and I said to him, I think you should go and try litigation because, you know, you will do very well there. You will be someone who will stand in a courtroom and you remember what the witness said two years ago. You remember the exact page of the file and all that. And, you know, he left and went to a litigation law firm. And a couple of months later, he called me to thank me that I gave him very, very good advice. Right? Another thing that's very important in terms of skills that need to be honed is your social skills. This is very important for marketing, right? And, and interestingly, some people are just very good at mingling. Others need to learn. But this is the heartbeat of marketing because you have to meet people, right? You know, it's, it's human beings that give you work as a lawyer. So you have to meet them. You have to find ways to engage them, right? Um, and my advice to people is, Always find, start marketing in the places where you are comfortable, right? You go to church, start marketing your church. Church folk need lawyers too, or your mosque. There are potential clients there. I have a friend who most of his clients are Catholic. His, his, his works, the Catholic network, is such a way that you know, most of his clients come out of the Catholic church. So if you are athletic, you know, go and join a sports club. You know, you, you will meet people there. If you are arty, go and join the Muson Center. You know, if you love adventure, join a travel club. Just, you need to do something and get a life that then helps you to hone your social skills and bring in clients. And while we are at it, let me talk for a minute about what I call the likability quotient. This is my own coinage, the likability quotient. One thing you should notice is that typically when you meet someone for the first time, it takes about five minutes for them to decide whether they like you. 
Another thing you need to note is people prefer to work with people that they like. So in a situation where you are pitching for a job and you know the other guy and yourself are of the same intelligence, you have the same pedigree in terms of work done and all that, you know, you know, the client will just pick the person that, that he likes. Uh, and sometimes you may even be slightly more intelligent than the other guy, but the client will go for the other guy because he just likes this other person. Um, so this is very important. This is very, very important. And, and one, one thing I say to people is, you know, you need to work on those areas that tend to rub people the wrong way. So for example, if you know you're a very finicky person, right? Sometimes when you go and have dinners with people, um, you know, you can come out not looking so good, right? I, I, I had an Indian client long time ago, and each time he took me out to dinner, um, he would take me to an Indian restaurant, and I will eat everything he offers me. If he puts garlic on the plate, and he bashes it and says it's good for you, I'll say, yeah, I think it's good. It's very uh, many times I'll come out reeking of garlic, but you know I would, um, you know, those those days were coming, and we ended up becoming great friends, right? And the garlic actually didn't do anything. Uh, you know, there was no there were no downsides to eating the garlic. To be honest with you, now I even love garlic, and I actually developed a taste for Indian food um, just from re relating with him. So one thing I'll say to you is that you know. First impressions are lasting impressions. And I'll tell you a story. This is a story that my father has told, and he's told it so many times. You know, when he was, when he was in the UK studying law many years ago in the, in the 60s, and he was looking for a little house to rent as a student. And every time he went out to look for a house, he would keep seeing these big signs in front of... The, the sign will say, House to let, but at the bottom it will say uh, no dogs, no Irish, uh, no blacks. No dogs, no Irish, no blacks. And my father said he knocked on one door, even though the sign said no dogs, no Irish, no blacks. I was a black man. He still went and knocked on the door. And the lady, old lady, opened the door and asked him to come in. And somehow or the other, the lady gave him the house. And weeks later, the lady called him and said, you, you, do you know why I gave you the house? He says, no. He says, because when I looked at you from head to toe, your shoes were well polished, your tie was well knotted, your, your, your everything was in place, and I noticed that before you came in, you, you scrubbed your, your feet on the doormat vigorously to make sure you didn't bring death into the living room. And the lady said, she thought to herself, these blacks too are also clean. Why do we say no blacks, right? But that was the first impression. So first impression matters. So we need to be careful. You know, sometimes you go for meetings and there's, um, there's bread in your teeth. Um, if you know you're a smoker, when you're going for an important meeting, keep the smoking till after the meeting. Some people get turned off 
by the smell of smoke on your on your shirt. Um, so you just need to be sensitive about things that put people off. On a lighter note, <laughs> there was a salesman who came back after a long day out. And his boss said to him, did you get any orders today? And the salesman said, yes, I got two. And the boss said, congratulations, what were they? And the salesman said, one customer ordered me to get out and stay out. <laughs> the, point, the point here is, you know, let's try to do things so that when we get instructions from clients, it won't be uh, an instruction to get out and stay out because we've created a wrong first impression. Now this brings me to nugget number five. Nugget number five says, pick a vehicle that is ahead in your direction of travel and learn from its experiences. Pick a vehicle that is ahead in your direction of travel and learn from its experiences. So if you want to embark on a road journey, it's best to find out people who have plied that road or continue to ply the road. They're the best people to learn from. And many years ago, in about 2005, when I was going to start detail, I looked around and I picked a gentleman you all probably know. His name is Benga Rebode. I never met him before. I sent him an email and I said, I want to meet you, sir. And he gave me an appointment. And I basically just went into his office to cut a relationship with him because I thought this man will have so much wisdom. If only I can open that door to be able to ask him questions and ask him, how do you do this? And, you know, I learn from him. You know, it would be so useful to me. And we built a relationship after that until tomorrow, when I'm at a crossroad, he's someone that I will still call. And, you know, uh, in fairness to him, you know, a lot of things he has told me has helped to build my practice to date. There's a Chinese proverb that a single conversation with a wise man is better than 10 years of studying books. So my question to you is, where are your wise men? Do you have wise men? Do you have people that you pick up the phone and call when you need to take a decision? And this brings me to nugget number six. Intelligence needs diligence. Nugget number six. Intelligence needs diligence. And I think that intelligent people are great, you know, and intelligence is a great thing to have. But without diligence, intelligence is hampered. In my experience, I've met many people who believe so much in their intelligence that they run very short on diligence. And I just think that intelligence bring the, brings the raw material, but diligence manufactures the product and manages the projects. If you check any successful law firm, you find out that they have a fair mix of diligent and intelligent people. Many years ago, I was still in Port Harcourt before I relocated to Lagos. I got a, a, a retainer with 
what was then one of the uh, major merchant banks, Triumph Merchant Bank then. You know, it, was, it was a big break for me. And the first job they gave me to do was to do a search at the lands registry. And in those days, there was no computer. So we typed uh, on a typewriter. And if you made a mistake, you had to start all over again. Uh, and if you wanted to be shoddy about it, you used Tipex. So I was out of town and, you know, someone, my secretary typed this report and I said, you know, just type it and send it off. I had handwritten it and, and left it on her desk. And she typed it, made a mistake, and she used Tipex and sent it off like that. And the managing director of the bank came, he was going through some files and saw this report with Tipex, and he called the branch manager and said, who is this lawyer? Don't use him again. And that's how I lost that client. And I learned a great lesson in diligence from that singular event. Nugget number seven, which is my last. Legal practice is not a marathon. It's not a sprint, I meant to say. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. Legal practice is not a sprint. It is a marathon. If you try to run a marathon the way you run 100 meter dash, you will burn out and you will expire. Step by step is the name of the game. Pace yourself, enjoy and celebrate every milestone. In the legal space, it will take you at least 10 years for your boat to start sailing properly. In that period, you are learning the ropes, you are learning the wind, you are learning how to navigate. When I started in Lagos, 2005, January, we were feelers, myself, my partner, Malako, who is still with me today, thankfully, and one other lawyer. We didn't have support staff. And I remember that when Dolapa joined, she asked for a letter of employment. And I said, you know, who's going to type it? Go and type it, bring it to me, I will sign it. <laughs> so she did. You know, I remember our first major transaction. I remember our first major income. I remember the first time we were rated by chambers and partners as notable law firm. We celebrated it. It was a major milestone. I remember how we started buying books incrementally, month by month, little by little. I remember our first event. We brought a lady called Pippa Blackmore to Nigeria. We were not sure people will attend. Who were we to invite people to an event? You know, but the event came and, and, and passed, and it was a success. Let me tell you something, just to, 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 to firm this up. The gentleman called Jeff Bezos, I mean, you all heard of him, the founder of Amazon, one of the richest men in the world. He founded a company, which is not, I think it's one of his recent companies. It's a company called Blue Origin. And this company is supposed to ferry customers from Earth to space, to go there, live, work, and play. That's, that's his dream, that this company will grow into a company that will ferry customers to space to live, work, and play. But the important thing that I want to point out is that the motto of that company 
is gradatin ferrocita. It's Latin, gradatin ferrocita, which in Latin means step by step, ferociously. Step by step, ferociously. This is Jeff Bezos, who probably can afford to throw money at this thing and say, you know, I want it done in one week, you know, but he understands. But the important thing is step by step, ferociously. So my advice is give your best with every step. And every day, give your best. Every assignment, give your best. Because it's a journey. Finally, I will stop here because I think that a long song is never well sung. So I will say one last thing. That success is a journey on a never-ending road. The day you say you have succeeded is the day you begin to regress. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much, Sam, for this wonderful presentation. Really enjoyed it. You know, I took notes from the beginning to the end, and I must confess, this is really more than what we by paying for. You know, so I'm already grateful for this. Okay, so as a follow-up question, please, um, for the interest of our listeners, please, um, Advice us on what do what you suggest? Do you believe that young lads should go for further studies immediately after school, or they should exercise patience and try and get more experience before they go for further studies? Looking at your, your own journey, remember you said you when you started you had only an LLB, LLB from University of Benin, but later on you decided to go to the United States for your own LLM. So, what do you advise? Should young lads go for the LLM early or do you um, get more experience before going for LLM? I, I, I strongly advise that young people, not just lawyers, when you graduate, put yourself to work. Put yourself to work for at least two, three, four years before you decide to go and do a master's. And the reason why I say this was very simple, right? Um, what, 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 what are you going to master in? What do you know that you're going to master in? Right? If you, if you live straight from LLB to LM, right? You just assume that that's a natural. You will know if you decide to go and and you understand what your strengths are, what you're interested in, right? And that's why a lot of people don't go and do and people sit on their seats and shipping, right? And, you know, right? Some people shouldn't even go and do an Some people so astute, they should be doing an MBA should work for three to four years and then you know decide so for me, for me 
by the time I was going back to do something, I knew that I was interested in business law and I had to go to a school where I could attain those skills. And that's why I went to IE in Madrid, right? Which has helped me a lot today because, you know, uh, some of the things I bring to the table is the ability to read financial statements, the ability to talk to accountants when we're doing a transaction because, you know, I picked those things up from business school. So thank you, Montessor. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, and a follow-up question is, um, how should young lawyers identify and um, mentors, and how early do you think they should, they should identify their mentors? Like you said earlier, you know, you should, you should identify uh, what vehicle um, that's heading your way. You have to work your direction. So what do you advise? Young lawyers um, identify their mentors early and so, um, because most, for some young lawyers, they are still here to even understand what they are really good at. So what do you advise them? Should they advise these mentors early? So that they should follow them on. And also, how can they net? How can they net? Okay, I mean, I, I, I would say one thing, right? You, you have different mentors for different phases in your life, right? So at the time where you are not sure exactly where you should be headed. You know, sometimes you're not sure, okay, do I want to be a litigator? Do I want to be a commercial lawyer? We're not really sure. And there's, there's nothing wrong with not being sure. As a matter of fact, you know, it's good for you to, to explore. I, mean, I did my own fair share of litigation before I decided you know, it wasn't for me, right? So at that point in time, you know, you find a mentor who you can have broad conversations with, right? Who will just, you know, help you you know, to understand the, you know, the, the, the broader aspects of legal practice, you know, help you to get grounded, you know, as, as a lawyer. Uh, and then, you know, if and when you finally decide, for example, that, well, you know, your aim is to be a senior advocate of Nigeria, you want to be a fair litigator, right? At that point in time, you should then find another mentor who is a litigator who you can call and say, look, I have this case. You know, what do you think? Or, you know, what do you think about this? You know, should, should I do it like this? Is this a good strategy, right? And you should also just go to him, sit down from time to time, you know, and just listen. And, and, and I think that's the way. And the next question is, how do you identify these people? These people are usually not far away from you. I mean, you may not have met them, but they're usually not far away from you. So if you're in legal practice, you know the people that have gone ahead of you, that you admire, that you think you can approach. Drop an email. Send an email. Right? Uh, you know, most people would respond to emails like that. You know, if they don't respond to the email, send another one, a reminder or something. I'll get someone who knows them, you know, to, to do an introduction. You know, if they're too busy to read their emails. Or meet them, meet them, Meet them at conferences, uh, you know, NBA conference, SBL conference, you know, go walk up to them, introduce yourself, you know, you know, ask for their number. At that point in time, you have your leg in the room. You can then call them freely. Thank you very much, sir, for that. And also, my next question is um, looking at the journal of detail. I know I'm sure we have many young lads here who, are, who also have the dream of starting their own practice someday having their own law firm. So 
how was the journey like for you in trying to in trying to build your own clients? You know, moving from Putaco to Lagos. You know, I remember you said Belapa was just was at some point was just the only lawyer you have at the firm aside aside yourself. So, how what was the journey like for you building your own client? It was it was interesting. It was adventurous. It was a journey of faith. I mean, you 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 wake up every day and you just say, well, you know, today we'll push the boundary and see, you know, what today brings, right? And you know, there were many times that those were slammed in my face. There were places I went to to make a pitch, and you know, someone says, oh, who are you so so and so love them? Who are you? You know, and I couldn't really answer that question. Who are you? <laughs> you know, but um, you know, I, I I then developed an attitude of each time I walked in from a walked out from a rejection, I said to myself, I said, you know, you're good at what you do, so it's their loss, right? Uh, and, and 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 you move on, right? So so it, it, it was a great adventure, and you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad. But I went through that road. It it has um, you know helped to mold me to who I am today as a person. Thank you very much, sir. Let me see whether Toby is around. So sure come Toby, are you there? Toby. Yes, I'm here. All right, Matasha, well done. I mean, I, I believe you've covered the the field. Um, I do not have any further questions. Thank you. Okay, so can we have questions from participants now? Toby. Uh, yes, so someone wants to ask about winning briefs, getting technical expertise, and networking. I didn't get the question, Toby. Okay, someone wants to know how to win briefs and gain technical expertise as well as network. How to win briefs? How to gain technical expertise? And then how to network? Yes, sir. <laughs> Interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I pretty much said that um, you have to meet people to get work, right? No, the journey is first and foremost, you have to meet people to get work. And then as you build your credibility, you will, you will, you will now get into the referral space where you, know, you can be sitting in your house and someone will drop you an email and said, you know, so, so, and so, you know, gave me your email address and I have so, and so problem, right? Uh, so if you are starting as a young lawyer, you know, the, 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 the way to network is just to find places where you can meet people. And I, I often call this the bees hive, right? So if bees, 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 bees hive is where you can find money, right? And the different bees hive, you know, it could be, it could be a club, it could be an association, it could be your church, it could be, it could be a gym, you know, there are different places. But, you know, the most important, one thing is people go to these places and they take a back seat 
So nobody ever sees you, nobody ever knows you, right? Uh, so how did I become president of the Nigerian Swiss Chamber of Commerce? I knew that one of the things that God has blessed me with is efficiency, right? So when I joined any committee, they say, oh, we want to set up a committee to do something, volunteers, my hand will be up, you know, and, you know, over time, you work with people on a committee, then you then realize, oh, this young man, you know, he always has bright ideas and he's always very, you know, quick to solve problems, you know, and before you know it, they start inviting you even when you don't volunteer, yeah? And before you know it, they start asking, oh, you know, why don't you be an officer in the Chamber of Commerce? Uh, so one day the, the vice resigned and the president called me and said, would you like to be the vice? And I said, sure. And that's how I became the vice. And then when the president's tenure was over, I became president. And I'm not sure I'm 40 yet, or probably in my early 40s. I think I was just heading 40. So, um, you know, th that's the way. There's no, there's no, uh, it's not rocket science, but it could be hard work. If you want to go to these meetings and you just want to pluck yourself against the wall and do absolutely nothing, uh, it's going to be difficult. And I think that covers networking. The other thing is uh, something about how to be technical, right? Is, uh, was, that, was that the question, uh, Tony? Yes, sir, that was the question. Um, how to gain technical expertise, uh, become a better lawyer. Yes, I mean, it's, it's something that you get over time. Uh, but let me tell you something for free. You have to train yourself to, to ask the right questions and keep asking questions. It's only when you keep asking questions, when you keep questioning things, that you can get answers, right? So when you sit in a brainstorm room, you just keep asking questions. How about if we did it like this? And you know, you explore that, and people knock it and knock it and knock it, and you know, it's okay, fine, that will work. How about if we did it like this? And you know, there's no stupid question, because the reality is that you know, what, what may sound like a stupid question may be the beginning of a great idea. So, you know, you just have to keep uh, uh, troubleshooting. Uh, and over time, you learn how to troubleshoot and find solutions, and uh, it, it becomes second nature. Toby, the next question. Yeah. Someone wants to know if uh, Mr. Jamide would be reachable for mentorship session. You can't be asking me that here. <laughs> follow me, follow the right. <laughs> Send an email. Follow the right process, whoever that is. Okay. And someone else also wants to know what determines area of specialization uh, for a flourishing legal practitioner. Is it a focus on economic realities or passion in a particular area of law? I think I think I think it's a balance of both. It's a balance of both, right? Uh, first of all, it's good to follow something that you have a fear for, right? Uh, but that said, you know you also have to balance it with economic reality. Now, so so in my in my space, for example, you know, okay, so we're non-courtroom lawyers, right? You know, then you know different facets of our practice, you know, oil and gas, real estate, you know, and all that. So 
um, you know, you, 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 you may have a flair for finance, for example, right? Uh, but we always tell people in detail, you know, don't come here and tell me that you are, you know, it's only finance you want to do, right? The day the banks stop lending money, how will we eat? So you should, you should be versatile enough to straddle at least three practice areas, even though you have your preferences. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you're a litigator, for example, I don't encourage litigators to be the type that want to litigate on everything. Chieftaincy disputes, you are there. Uh, you know, land, you are there. Uh, technology, you are there, you know. I, I, don't, I, I don't encourage that. But, but that said, um, you should uh, be versatile enough you know, to straddle a few industries in, 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 the, in, the, um, in the litigation space. Right. So yes, it's 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 a balance of both. Okay, so that's all on this end. No further questions. Okay. And um, I guess uh, at this point, we would like to thank you so much, sir, for your time and for agreeing to do this with us. Uh, it's been very insightful. Uh, we are very grateful. My pleasure. So um, on this note, we would like to end the webinar. Any word from you, Montar, sir? Yes, I, this, I want to, on behalf of um, the council and also on behalf of all the young lawyers in Nigeria, we are grateful for, to you for making our time to be here with us. Yes, and um, just like you, I hope to sit on board someday. I'm sure <laughs> that is good for Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Bye.